You're listening to the TNT Effect, the Athletes Podcast. This is the podcast where athletes discuss their journey and sports professionals talk about how they support these athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Tierra Roll. Let's get into today's episode. Today's guest, Brittany Gilman, is a boss. She is the CEO of BG Sports Enterprises and a former professional athlete. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. That's a very generous introduction. Appreciate the kind words. Thank you. <laughs> so the first thing I want to dive into before we get into your boss status, um, let's talk about your experience as a former professional athlete and just your journey getting to that point. Well, it's uh, it seems like a foreign life now you know in retrospect it was a while ago not too long ago but long enough to feel like it was kind of a a different you know a different life but um I started competing professionally when I was uh 17 in snowboarding and um did that for about five years while I was getting my undergraduate degree was very fortunate um to travel all over for competitions and the, you know, actually got to leave the country as well. When I was a pretty young age, went to Italy and Austria for training. And, um, you know, it was incredible. I, I miss being an athlete. I think that once you're an athlete and you get to compete at that level, that it's kind of just engraved into you. And I don't think it ever, it ever leaves you. Um, and I'm very grateful for that experience that I had during those time, um, those years, because it really taught me so much about myself. And it taught me about facing your fear. It taught me about dedication and um, so many other very valuable things that I think are important and necessary to ensure success as a professional in any industry, but especially the sports industry. You mentioned all the things that that experience taught you, what lessons that you learned during that time um, have translated into your current profession? I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was that it's so important to maintain balance in what you do, because anything that you're passionate about, you want to do a lot and you dedicate all this time and this energy and these, these thoughts and this creative juices that we all have towards this passion of yours. And I think that it's really important to realize that taking time away from that passion and to balance yourself out is kind of a a necessary step to in order to ensure that you are going to be able to stay at that level and stay dedicated to that passion. Um, And that's really important. I got burned out many times to where I would be on the mountain training and I would just look at my watch like, okay, you only have to stay two hours. And, you know, it was at that point when I was like, wait a minute, what happens? Like this used to be my love, my joy. And I just kind of ran myself into the ground. Um, And I did that when I was in high school uh, with another sport that I participated in. And that's my, one of my personal challenges is learning how to balance. And I think that that's so important in life is that, you know, you can be passionate about something and, and want to put all your eggs in one basket and love something. And that's phenomenal. And that's what fuels your success and what fuels you to continue to try to achieve that but taking time away from that and taking time to experience other things and and realizing the importance of family and mental health and spiritual health and physical health all those things you have to take care of yourself on all those different levels um and to make sure that you're you're healthy and that you can continue to pursue your passions so that's probably one of the biggest lessons that that I learned that I think translates um and I think it applies to everything and anything in life really that's so true 
when you came to that stopping point where you were transitioning from an athlete to your professional career now and doing something else, uh, what was that stopping point or that turning point for you? You know, what's funny about me is I don't think I ever hit a turning point. I think that personally, I've always set just these insane goals and just not let anybody question me or anybody stop me. And I just feel like, okay, I'm going to be a professional snowboarder or I'm going to be the first female strength and conditioning coach in the NFL, which that was the goal for me post snowboarding career. And I think what happened for me was that I was very burned out. Um, I competed professionally when I was in college. And at that time, you know, snowboarding was not an NCAA sanctioned sport, nor is it today. But so that enabled me to be able to get sponsorships and partnerships and endorsements, things like that. And so I was doing that all throughout college while I was getting my undergraduate degree in kinesiology, which was basically the equivalent of pre-med. So it was very, very hard. And um, I was very spread thin throughout my entire snowboard career. I would go to school Monday, Tuesday, and then I would leave during the winters on Wednesday and be gone till Sunday or Monday. And then I'd come back and try and do it again. All the while I would be at you know, Stratton, Vermont for the US Open in the room studying for biochemistry while everyone else, all the other competitors would be doing whatever they needed to do to prepare for the competition the next day. So, um, you know, I always felt like I was kind of, uh, I was spread very thin and I was never able to fully apply the mental component of the sport, which is huge in all sports that I needed. Um, So what happened was when I was done with school. I moved to Mammoth Lakes, California to snowboard full-time. And at this point I had changed my boot sponsors and I developed these, um, these bizarre things called pump bumps, which are like, it was weird little growths. I mean, you know, you're an athletic trainer. So that happened and they're extremely painful. You can't do anything about them. You just have to take time off. So at that point, when I was living in Mammoth and I had, oh, I had no money. I lived in an A-frame. Um, on Glasscock Lane with three boys and no one had any money. And this is in Mammoth in the winter. This is, they get snow in like the feet, you know, three feet. And and so anyway, no one had money to pay for heat. So we kept a thermostat at like 50 degrees. We didn't have hot water. I didn't have any, I mean, mind you, I come from a phenomenal family and I was very blessed to have my undergraduate paid for by my father. So I'm not complaining, but this is the closest thing to me struggling that I have, you know, because as soon as college was done, my dad's like, all right, good luck, make money. And, you know, I, this snowboarder that, you know, was trying to make it, I didn't even have furniture. I had a blow up bed that had a hole in it. So I would go to bed on the air, (laughs) wake up on the ground. Anyway, long story short, I, um, at that point I was very depressed because I, didn't have any money. I wasn't able to train. I finally had the time, but now I didn't have the, you know, I wasn't able to because of my minor injury. And so um, at that stage, I applied for an internship at USC football as a strength conditioning coach. Cause I was like, well, if I can't snowboard, let me just take a break from snowboarding and try taking a step towards my next goal in life, which was to be the strength conditioning coach. And um, I was blessed enough to get the position And what ended up happening was it was a summer internship that then they ended up offering me the year. And it was, you know, talk about defining moment. It was in the end of the summer when I got that offer to stay where I think that's where I didn't realize it at the time, 
But that's the defining moment that kind of took me down the next path. That if I would have went to the right, I would have continued to snowboard. But I took the path to the left. And that completely changed the trajectory of, of my life. Um, and, you know, I always, then from there, it just kind of gained momentum in that other goal. And I just, you know, I, I never, I just kept getting more opportunities in this other area that I just eventually a year went by, two years went by, three years went by. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wait what about snowboarding? What am I going to do with that? But I had so much momentum going elsewhere that it just didn't make sense. And so, you know, that's just kind of, I just stopped competing and it was kind of a, a really interesting question you asked because I've never really thought about that defining moment. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah. that, that, you know what, the, your experiences, um, the struggle, I mean, that's what it was. It was a struggle. In those moments, you learn so much and hopefully you grow from it and, and, get stronger and so it definitely sounds like you grew from that and got a lot stronger <laughs> so let's talk about what you do now um as this you know as the ceo of bg sports enterprises tell us about that well bg sports is uh almost let's see 14 years old and i started the agency in 2007 as a sports marketing agency to bridge the gaps between athletes and opportunities in the time that we've been in existence, we've worked with um, hundreds of athletes all over the world, uh, mostly in NFL, but also soccer, boxing, MMA, track and field, um, a few celebrities, and a little bit of um, extreme sports. So it's been an incredible journey. We are an international branding and representation agency today. So that means we offer a variety of services to our clients and we kind of custom create strategies based on what our clients need. We work with individuals and we also work with corporations and philanthropic organizations. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been an incredible journey. It started as a marketing agency. And since then, we've really, you know, expanded to offer more and more services as athletes need more services. And as the industry continues to evolve, Thus, the company does the same. Um, and it's actually led me to launch a startup in the same space that automizes a lot of the unnecessarily complicated processes and provides solutions for a lot of the headaches that people within the industry face. So um, to this date, you know, it's still the same why. It's about, you know, connecting opportunity to those that are looking for opportunity and simplifying the process along the way. So it's been exciting. That sounds very helpful. So when you're looking for your clients, um, and I'm sure you probably have clients looking for you as well, but when you're looking for clients, what are you looking for? I think the most important thing when you're talking about developing that business relationship with someone is the communication, the honesty, and the integrity, because no relationship will last without those key values. And they're very rare to find in sports among all different customer channels, if you want to call it that within sports. So for us, you, we really want to work with guys that respect us as much as we respect them. We respect their time. We respect everything they have going on. We're here to help them. And it's important that the athletes respect your time and respect the process and don't over expect from you and, you know, hold you accountable for things that have absolutely nothing to do with you. So guys that are open to understanding the 
little ins and outs behind the scenes, what it takes to get you on ESPN. If it's not a big name athlete for him to understand that most likely you're not going to get an opportunity to be on ESPN unless you start balling. Um, and just the guys that are realistic with it. Um, and so that's probably one, the most important thing is the character of, of the athlete. We've worked with so many guys. We've worked with the best talent in the world and you know, I'll say that a lot of times the guys at the top, they're not the nicest people. And it makes you question, you know, no matter how much money you're making, it's not worth working with people that don't value your time. So that's really important is you got you got to respect yourself first and foremost, you know, before anyone will, will respect you. Oh, I agree so much with that, especially after working with so many top names. At a certain point, you're like, OK, this isn't worth it. <laughs> this is not <laughs> worth it because it is your career, too, not just their career. Right. You have a mission, you have a vision for what you want your brand to be, not just creating a brand for them. So you have right. to make sure that who you're representing also can represent you in a positive way as well. Yes, 100%. And what happens too is these guys, um, sometimes they don't realize that their actions affect your reputation. So if they don't show up for an event or if they're not available for a you know opportunity they committed themselves to, it reflects negatively on the representative. And those are relationships that I've took years to build. It takes a very, very long time to gain that trust with, with the individual, with the company. And when you know your client doesn't hold up his end of the bargain, that falls back on you as a representative and you have to fix that problem. So that's why it's really important to work with guys that have character, that are able to communicate. And you know, the thing is sometimes athletes were not raised and in that manner. They weren't taught those skills. Communication is a skill. So, you know, even if a guy doesn't have that skill yet, we try to help teach him that and help him to grow personally and professionally. Um, but if he's not open to growing, then it's not, it's probably not going to work. So when you're teaching those communication skills, is it, is it like a class that you take them through or, you know, some type of program that you have set up for them to go through? And, you know, is that a requirement? Well, it should be a requirement. That's for sure. Um, that's a good idea. I might put it in the contract, but um, we don't necessarily have a class. Uh, we, I, I've done um, a lot of training for NFL athletes or guys entering the draft where we do media training and media training consists of a lot of different things from how do you speak on camera? Where do you look? What do you do with your hands? How do you Compose sentences without ands, ums, uh, you know, all that sort of thing. So as a structured educational, you know, class or whatever you want to call it, that's what we provided. But as far as the individual athletes, it's really catered to the individual. It really comes down to as you develop that relationship with the player, it's, you know, hey, we have to get on a phone once a week. We have to, and it, it depends on what the goals are. It depends on the services they're utilizing. But say you have an event coming up. Well, you need to get on the phone with me a couple times a week so that we can stay on top of this. Um, I need you to be available for A, B, C, D, and you need to communicate a, B, C, D to me. So a lot of it happens as you're working with the athlete. And then over the course of, you know, say 10 plus years, it's tremendous, the gains and the knowledge and, and what they develop into. I've had a client that I've worked with for over 10 years. And if you go back to when we first started working together, we look back, we're like, oh my gosh, we were babies. You know, both of us were babies because we were both new to the business and learning as we went. But it's pretty phenomenal to see how far he's come as an individual, how much he's matured and the businessman that he's really developing into today. Like it's pretty amazing. 
I'm pretty sure that's probably something that's rewarding for you too, to be able to see that growth in your clients and also the growth in yourself too, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's cool. That takes a long time though. You know, sometimes the, the daily steps that we all take towards a bigger goal, you don't necessarily see the progression because you're in it day to day, but it's when you take a step back and then you look at, okay, wait a minute, where was I a year ago? Where was I five years ago? Where was I 10 years ago? And that's often when you can really see the growth. And that's where it's like, oh my gosh, wow, it's okay, this is working or, you know, pretty cool. So the athletes have goals that they come in with. And then also, obviously, those goals have to um, change or expand or maybe scale back. Are you helping to walk them through setting those goals as well? Yes, definitely. So when we first work with a client, one of the first things that we ask him is, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your objectives? And sometimes they have answers and sometimes they don't. So if they don't have the answers, that's part of what we do is help work them through that and help them discover what they're trying to accomplish. And oftentimes, if guys don't know, and this is everything in general, a lot of people don't know what they want to do, or maybe they're in a transition point in their life. And so one of the first things I always try to ask that person is, what are you passionate about? And what do you enjoy? What makes you happy? What thing that you're doing makes time just fly by? to where you could be doing something and you look at the clock and three, four, five hours have gone by. Those are the things that me personally, I try to suggest that you might want to look further into those areas. Um, You know, and a lot of times athletes, they, if you think about an athlete, especially a professional athlete, their whole life has revolved around the sport, everything that they've done, every decision. And many of these guys have been catered to many of them have been babied. They're surrounded by yes men. So sometimes it's just about kind of teaching them and and showing them a different perspective to life and showing them business off the field and also introducing the idea to them that they're not going to play football forever. And some have thought of this and some haven't. So how can you discover other passions outside of football, or even if it's related to football, that we can set you up for success today, or begin to plant those seeds today, that will then bloom when you're done playing. And that's really important to do. And most of that comes through just conversations with the athletes. And that's, you know, developing the relationships and building that trust so that they trust you enough to open up to you and share those thoughts and those goals with you. Building that trust is huge. I mean, it's paramount to building a solid relationship. We talked about how, what you look for in a client, what should athletes look for when they're looking for um, a sports agent or, you know, marketing personnel or someone to work with to help them create the type of career that they want? I think it goes, it's the same answer. It's honesty, integrity, and communication, because there are a lot of agents in this business that do not have the best intentions at heart. And it's very difficult to decipher between a good agent and not a bad agent, but someone who might not have the right why they might be driven by something else. And the best way that I tell athletes and guys that are in that process of choosing an agent is to really listen to your gut, your intuition and your heart. Um, One of the things that I like to explain is if I, I always tell guys that they want referrals for agents. I'm like, well, you know, I have agents that if I had children, I would trust my kids with. And then I have agents that I wouldn't trust my kids with, but I know that they're going to go to bat and be a pit bull for me when it comes to negotiating contracts. So it's, you know, it's all comes down to the individual as everything does. So I think that 
me personally, the most important thing is honesty, because without honesty, you, you're not going to be able to have a, a good relationship with anybody. And the thing is, when guys are picking their agent, everyone's telling them the same thing, putting on their best foot forward, you know, that's they're trying to get your business, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. So that's really important to listen to your intuition. And then secondly, I would say to speak to other people if you can that have worked with that agent. Because a testimonial from someone else coming from the source is very, very valuable. So when they're looking for an agent, like, is there some type of database or a platform that they can find a collective of agents? Or is it just pretty much like, okay, let me just Google or maybe this person says, I know this person, go contact them. How does that work? It's, it's a free-for-all right now. Now, I know that there is a platform that's being developed that will enable athletes to connect to agents, and I think it's phenomenal. Um, I don't think it's launched yet, um, but I know that that's in the works. Uh, but for right now, if you're a top-tier player, they're going to come knocking at your door. And if you're not, then it is one of those things where you literally have to put in the work to find the agent. And it's hard to sign with an agent if you're not a top round guy, because the agent has to look at it from a perspective of, well, how much time am I going to put into this? And how much money do I have to put into this? Because nowadays agents pay for training, agents pay for all types of stuff, you know, they'll give them marketing bonuses, which are not necessarily legal, but it's been happening for years. So, you know, it's, and the thing is, if you're a a small agency and you're trying to compete with the big dogs, you gotta come with something to the table because when an athlete is young, they're going to be driven by their ego. And a lot of these guys are going to want to sign with the Rosenhouses and want to sign with the, you know, endeavors and the big agencies because they want to say, oh yeah, you know, I'm signed to little Wayne and young money and all that, you know, that's, that's what the agencies do. They play on that ego to get the interest of the clients. And then now the clients are tied into this big agency that most of the time they're not going to give the athlete the individual attention that a smaller agent might give them. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting game, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a two-sided sword. You know, you, the athlete has to make sure it's the right fit and the agent's got to make sure it's the right fit. So with all of that, it's challenging on both ends. What are some other challenges that you've dealt with as a sports agent? Well, I think being a female has been very hard. Um, when I first got into the business, now not so much because I'm established, but when I first got into the industry, it was very difficult to get people to take you seriously. Um, and, you know... It's it's just one of those things where if you're choosing to work in the sports industry, and especially as a female, you kind of have to understand the space in which you're entering into. And you have to know that you're not going to be seen the same as male counterparts, that if you are an attractive female, you are going to get hit on a lot. And you're not going to be respected necessarily. And it's going to take a while for you to earn that respect because Not only do you have to prove yourself as a professional, but you have to prove yourself about your intentions and why you're there. Because so many times, and this this still happens, if I'm with a client and we're at an event and we're dressed nice, people automatically think that I'm either his girlfriend, his wife, his date. Never do they think, oh, this is his agent. You know, this is his publicist. They always jump to the other conclusion. So that's something that is, as a female, you're going to deal with it. And it's a matter of finding balance. And it's very challenging to find that balance because, you know, talk about social media. I was a fitness model for a while. And this is when I first was in the industry. And I wanted to post pictures in in fitness gear and, and working out and doing all this stuff. 
but it, it didn't help my professional image from the sports side because people look at my profile and I have, you know, like a picture in a sports bra with a, you know, some tight pants on or whatever. And then they're not going to necessarily look at me as they're going to see me as a fitness model. They're not going to see me as a representative. So that's really important too, is that being able to kind of categorize the different components of yourself and what you put out to social media is portraying the right message and realizing that you're not going to be able, you will not be taken seriously if you post sexy pictures. That's just what it is. So it's just, you know, if that's what you want to do, create a separate account, make it private, and only let the people that you want to see the pictures see those pictures. Because otherwise, you're not going to be taken seriously. And even if you dress, I mean, it's very difficult because you go to Super Bowl, for example, you want to look nice. I walk red carpets at Super Bowl. I'm a female agent. That's not very common. I like to look good. I work hard for my body, but I have to be very, very careful at what I wear. And it's a small, small window where you find these clothes that are like, okay, this is elegant and classy, but it's not over the top, you know? But it's, it's like, it's very difficult to do. Sometimes I'll be shopping for weeks trying to find an address for the S or something. It's but definitely yeah, a fine line. I remember when I was in college as an athletic training student and the sports medicine director at the time was a man and um, much older, but he would not buy female um, attire for the student athletic trainers because he felt like the guys would be distracted. And it's like, that's not my fault. Like I'm 4'11". At that time I was, I was, I'm not much heavier now, but, (laughs) 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 but I was a little over a hundred pounds maybe. And I'm wearing, I'm swimming in, in these, uh, in this uniform, like really. And I have pictures to this day and it's ridiculous. I'm like, really? Why? This does not make any sense whatsoever. Eventually, thankfully it was years after I left, but the current sports medicine director, she was like, no, we have to like, this is so old school. We have to buy female clothes. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> that is hilarious. I had a very similar experience when I was a strength conditioning intern for USC football. And they gave me clothes that I think they were, they were purposely too big. They wanted to hide the fact I was a female. I, they gave me basketball shorts and a huge t-shirt. And even my shoes were too big. So some of the athletes will call me Bigfoot because I have a, I'm 5'3", so I'm petite as well. I'm right there with you. And it's like you get these shorts and you roll them up 12 times and you get a T-shirt and you try to make it tighter so it fits you. And then your shoes walking around looking like you have these huge feet. It's like, wait, what? This doesn't make sense. So I'm right there with you. I'm glad to hear someone else has had that experience. <laughs> the struggle was real. Totally. Um, <laughs> But um, one of the last things I would like to ask before you go, um, what are some tips or advice you would give like a younger athlete or even their parents? The kid wants to play at the college level, the professional level, and they need to prepare for that life. What are some tips you would give them? Well, I would say first and foremost, if um, the parents have it in their budget to invest in some type of training for your child that can give them a, like a boost, you know, so strength conditioning training, working at a velocity sports performance, working it, you know, working with a private coach. I actually train um, a 12 year old randomly. I haven't trained someone in years, but I've been training this 12 year old and um, 
it's it's pretty awesome like he he's made tremendous gains but he gets private training where we're working on agility and strength and coordination and core because obviously he's 12 so he hasn't developed yet but he's already a phenomenal athlete but if you can do that great if you can't cool at least get your child a ladder at least get him some type of affordable equipment and he can watch youtube videos and he can he or she can learn themselves but making sure that you have that extra boost and and that little bit of help in terms of physically is really important now if we're talking about um you know the uh public persona of an athlete i think it's really important to start at a young age trying to educate your kids on what social media really is and teach them that it's a tool to use and to really be aware of what they're putting out there because your public persona and your public reputation is huge. So if you at a young age can get your kids involved in giving back to the community, doing things to help others, just becoming an all-around good person and establishing those characteristics now while they're young, that's going to go so far because what happens is that there's so much competition going into college and going into the NFL that it ends up being the small factors that will differentiate between an athlete maybe getting drafted, an athlete maybe getting a scholarship. Because if you look at the the talent pool, obviously the talent pool decreases as you go further in the levels of um, athletes. But it's the small things that really, really matter. A team will look at an athlete and they'll say, well, we could draft this wide receiver. We could draft this wide receiver. They both have similar social media platforms but if we look at this guy and we look at his social media what's he posting on his social media oh he's posting stuff about him out and about and him you know really ego driven versus this other guy that seems oh wow look he's doing some community service he's talking about you know how important it is to be healthy mentally and whatever the case is it's, it's every little bit is going to have an effect so that's really important. Um, and then I would also say just get them involved in off the field stuff, you know, do the tournaments and do the, you know, 7v7 stuff, just whatever you can do to get them exposure is key. Because a lot of times it's phenomenal athletes just never get the exposure because maybe they went to a, you know, a D2 school, or maybe it was a bad year where they didn't get a lot of playing time. So we're really taking it. Yeah, exactly. A COVID year, which I feel so bad for the guys that came out. Oh my gosh, this year, it's like, it's just, it's, it's so sad that, and it just was, you just happened to come out a year. We had a global pandemic, but so many of these athletes did not get the opportunities that typically they get because of COVID. And it's, it just sucks for those guys, you know, God bless them. But, um, you know, I think it's just all around, just start realizing that if this is something you want to do, you got to look at the athlete from day one as a business and look at all the different components of his business. You know, that athlete himself, making sure that he or she is in tip top shape, physically, mentally, spiritually, their social media, their digital platform, their community service, you know, just start approaching it. Like if that's really what you want to do, you got to take it serious. And do you have any resources that um, that they can access or your social media email or whatever it is that you would like to provide for them to, you know, hopefully reach out? Um, I would say the best way to reach out is through our website um, or social media, typically websites better that we have a form on there. That's a contact website. Um, our website is um, bgseinc.com. So that sounds for BG Sports enterprisesincorporated.com. Um, and then obviously social media. I am, it's really hard on social media because 
you get a lot of um, DMs and you get a lot of people wanting things from you. And, um, you know, I do my best to answer DMs and to try to help people out as much as I can. Um, but if it's something about, you know, needing an agent or you know, as the NCAA's rules change and now going into next year, you'll be able to monetize your name and likeness, which is huge. Um, we do have a lot of um, capabilities to help parents and athletes navigate through those waters. So definitely the website's the best way to get in touch with us. And you can work with athletes anywhere or is it limited to a certain region or I don't know if you all have some type of licensing board or, or how that works? No, it's not limited. Um, so I'm a registered U.S. soccer intermediary, meaning I'm a soccer agent. I'm not a registered NFL agent, but I do have a tremendous network of agents in which we can help athletes get in contact with. As far as the PR and the branding goes, uh, we're an international agency. So I work with athletes from all over the world. Most of our athletes are going to be in NFL, soccer, boxing, MMA, extreme sports. Um, those are, you know, and sometimes I get athletes in different fields and they come to me. I'm like, you know what? I just don't think that this is a perfect fit. I think someone else would be able to help you more. So, um, you know, we're very honest when we are talking to a potential client and um, if it doesn't work for us, typically we try to refer them to someone else that can uh, be a better fit than we can. Thank you for tuning in today and a special thank you to my guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button. To learn about the sports performance, rehab, and wellness services provided by Dr. Tierra, please go to www.thetntfect.com. You can also send questions to info at thetntfect.com. And remember, a healthy athlete is a whole athlete.